Thank you. Thank you. Oh my goodness. I feel the love, guys. Thank you. Um, I just want to honor the worship team really quick. I just want to thank you guys for just bringing in such a, a sweet presence. My heart, my heart was just like, oh, yes. You know how like things just connect and you're just like, that was good. Good job, Jesus. Good job, worship team. Appreciate you guys. Um, so I'm going to let you guys know right off the bat, this isn't going to be a super deep preach of unlocking the mysteries of the book of Malachi and what happened during the 400 years of silence. It's not going to be like that. <laughs> um, but it's just going to be me just telling you kind of the things that have been revealed in my life and just how I've seen God just completely transform me and just how when we trust him with our lives, everything just, it just gets better. Even if we don't see it at the time, everything just gets better. And during prayer this morning, everyone kept saying, you know, the spirit of breakthrough is here. Everyone just kept saying breakthrough, breakthrough, breakthrough. And that was just something that was on my heart this morning. As I just speak about breakthroughs that I had, it's really, I'm not speaking about it just to brag or just to, hey, like this is what God's done in my life and uh, give me a hand clap. It's totally not about that. It's about, I want you guys to see this breakthrough that so that you guys can walk in a similar one. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to tell you guys a little bit about me. Most of you guys know me. Again, you've heard me sing, heard, me, heard my sass or whatever. <laughs> um, but uh, I grew up knowing God my whole life. I was just really blessed to have two parents that dedicated their lives to the Lord. Um, before I was born, they were already on a track to just running after Jesus. Their lives had already been transformed by him. You know, I was a stereotypical Christian kid. Um, I was taught to say my prayers before every meal, you know, um, I was dedicated as a child, you know, in a white poofy dress, you know, kind of like a scene like the Lion King, this God, here's your child, give it to you. Um, and I never celebrated Halloween, holy night is what I celebrated, I dressed up as Gabriel and I would recite the lines from the book of Matthew, it was a very, it was a very fulfilling childhood <laughs> as a Christian kid. So. I never, I never had that moment where I was just like, yes, Jesus, I give you my life today. I acknowledge you as my Savior because I always knew that Jesus was my Savior. I always knew that, you know, he died for my sins and I was just supposed to walk in that. But I think um, being a Christian has two different sides to it. So, yes, the first part is that we acknowledge that he is our Lord and Savior and we acknowledge that, you know, he died for our sins and that we get to walk in that freedom. But it's a whole other thing to actually give your life over and have, let him have a voice in your life and let him kind of guide you along with what's going on. So I just want to speak to you guys a little bit about that today. Um, when we choose to believe in him, we're saying, yes, God, you know, I believe that, you know, you sent your son and all of this. We can technically call ourselves saved. And I think if you meet anybody on the street, you might hear, hey, do you believe in God? Yeah, I believe in God. Like, yeah, I acknowledge that Jesus died for my sins. And that person can technically call themselves saved. But if you look at their lifestyle, not everybody's lifestyle lines up with that. And God didn't create this whole masterpiece of, um, of sending his son and just giving the ultimate sacrifice just so that we can say a prayer and that we can just live our lives however right? He did it so that we can be transformed. And once we give our lives and we see that transformation, that's when we're like, we can get just a small picture of how beautiful his masterpiece really is, how wonderful the sacrifice that he actually gave. We just, just see a small part of that. So once we take on that identity, oh, I'm a Christian, I'm a son, I'm a daughter of Christ, we get adopted into God's family. And that's 
that just sounds awesome. I love, I, one day I want to adopt my own kid. My parents don't know that surprise, but you know, um, <laughs> spirit of adoption is just amazing. And, and if you think about adoption in the natural sense, it's not just, hey, I'm going to adopt you so that you can get my last name and I can put food on the table. No, there's an expectation of family. God loves family. You know, you, when we come into the family of God, we get to be part of who he is. We get to take on his nature. We get to have his DNA. It transforms who we are. And there's a relationship there. It's not just, oh, yeah, like, you're there, I'm over here. No, he wants to be in constant communication with us. He wants to be in a constant partnership with us. He wants to be our father. He wants us to go to him. He wants us to, to, he wants us to seek after him. He wants us to run after him. I think of my relationship with my parents, and I just I come home, and I just unload everything. And I can't imagine having parents where I would just like, hey, I just live here, and that's it. You know, like, there has to be that relationship there. And the thing about our Heavenly Father is that he is so infinite in all of his ways. He's so, he has all of the wisdom, anything that we could ever need, he's already provided. And I think it's funny because even though we all know this in the back of our heads, sometimes we all, we, ha we have our plans. We're like, yeah, God, I know that you have this. I know that, I know that's who you are. I know you're good. I know you're a good father. But I have some plans too. And I think I know a little bit better than you. And I know how my life is supposed to be. And it's almost like, yeah, God, like, I see that, but actually, and then we get our own plans, and we form our own ideas of what we're supposed to do, and sometimes we don't even realize that we're going down our own path until, you know, we end up in a place where we're like, what am I doing with my life? Has anybody been there? Yes. What am I doing with my life? You know, my five-year plan is not going as planned. We're in this downward spiral, you know, quarter-life crisis, midlife crisis, So I've, I, even though I'm young, I'm, I haven't hit my quarter-life crisis yet. I'm sure, you know, you'll see that when the time comes. But um, I was in this place where I was, I was in college, and I was like, God, what is going on with my life? You know, like, I've accepted you. I, I said that I wanted to, you know, serve you and whatever. But my life is just like, my, my plans, they're, they're not working out. I don't understand why I feel such an emptiness. You know, I was doing what I was supposed to do. I was going to college. I had really good jobs. I loved it. I had good people. You know, I was going to church. I was being a good Christian girl. And I still was just like, God, why do I feel this way? Why do I feel so empty? And then he really just challenged me in that moment. And he said, do you trust me to do something with your life? Do you trust me that I have better plans for you that you can make for yourself? And I was in this place, I'm like, yeah, I told you that. And then he said, do you believe it, though? And I was like, I think so, I guess. So <laughs> that's actually how I ended up at VSSM. So if you don't know already, I uh, just got back from a nine-month program at Bethel Church in California. And when, I, when we actually, I went with my best friend, Giovanni, who's here today. Hey, Jay. Um, when I actually decided to go, it was, it was a moment where I was, even though, there could, people could see it as, you're young, you know, you can go off, you can do it, you have time to grow up, you have time to get a job. In my, in my mind, I was like, Jesus, I am messing up my five-year plan for you. I need you to understand that. I need you to understand that I have a good job, and that I have people that I like, and that I'm making money right now, and that I'm about to just throw that all away so I can go praise Jesus for nine months. Get that straight. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm going to do this for you, but I'm going to need you to remember all of this that I'm about to do for you, okay? Um, so, 
I went in with that mindset, and maybe that's not the best mindset to have, but I'm going to be I'm going to be honest, and um, I didn't realize how much I needed that season until it was the end, until I got back, and I saw, wow, God, I really saw the transformation of what happened in my life, and I was just so thankful for that. I was so thankful that I said yes to a season of just saying yes and just being in a place of surrender, where I had no choice but really just to trust that whatever was going to happen, it was going to be through him. And um, I just want to say when God asks us to do something and when God sends us somewhere, it looks like something. It's not just, oh, I went for nine months, and yeah, it was cool, like, it was fine. Like, no, I saw a change happen, and I know it, it was a result of me giving that sacrifice, of me choosing to live in that place of surrender. It looks like something. Amen? Cool. You guys could turn with me to John 21. There's Bibles in front of you if you don't have one. When you're there, say amen. Amen. Okay, cool. So John 21, we're going to start off at verse 3. It says, Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. So just to give you some context to this, um, this happened after, these are the disciples, this happened after Jesus, he already died on the cross, he came back, he, they saw them twice before this happened. So twice he came to them, said, hey, I died, came back from the dead. He said, look at the scars on my hands, like, I'm real. And this is also after he, he went up to them, he imparted his spirit, and he breathed on them and commissioned him, hey, I'm giving this to you. So what's the first thing that they do? They go fishing. What? Like, you think you'd be so excited after that. If Jesus came to me and breathed the spirit onto me, I'd be like, what's next? Like, let's go out and do it. And the first thing that they did, or not the first thing, but what did they do? They went fishing. They went back to, um, to like, a previous occupation of just not knowing where they were. And there are different ways to kind of interpret this scripture. When I was researching this, you know, some people say, well, they were just hungry. What do you do when you're hungry? You go fishing. You know, some people are like, well, you know, um, did they decide not to follow Jesus anymore? Was it just not that real to, to them? And most people agree that this instant was an instance of uncertainty. You know, where they're in that place of transition of, you know, Jesus isn't with us all the time. We don't know what's going on. So what do, and we think about it today, what do we do when, we don't, when we're in a place of transition and we don't know what's going on? It's so easy for us to go back to our old ways and our old habits because it's comfortable for us, right? It's, it's hard for us to have to walk, and, we're not, and we don't know where we're going. So that's what happened over here. We're going to pick up in verse 4. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood at, on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. I'm going to pause right there because I just think that's so funny. Jesus asks a question, and he already knows the answers. Some people read it like, children, do you have any fish? I read it as, like, how's that going over there? Like, do you have any fish, you know? Um, <laughs> they answered him. They said, no. He said to them, cast the net on the, other, on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of the fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, 
dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. I love that, how even when we're doing our own thing, and whatever we're off doing, we're off, you know, oh, Jesus, I'm going to put you on pause for a second, or backsliding, whatever you want to call it. He comes anyway, and he always comes to find his kids. He cares so much about us. And even after all of this, when, um, when he was so direct with them, and he gave them his spirit, and they were like, we're going to go fishing, he still said, hey, I'm still going to come after you, and I'm still going to help you guys out. And I want to, I want to, suggest that when he says, hey, um, cast it on the other side of the boat. Uh, I used to watch these cartoons as kids, like the Bible cartoons, and it was like, oh, it's because it was the opposite side. They were fishing on the wrong side. Like, no, these guys were skilled fishermen. That's what they did before they became disciples. So they knew how to fish. It wasn't just like a mindless mistake of, oh, yeah, oh, I forgot to put it on the other side. Duh. It wasn't that. It was Jesus was implying, hey, are you going to do this with me? Or are you going to do this without me? Put it on the other side. I want you to follow my guidance, and I'm going to tell you, you're going to see what happens once you do that. And that's when they saw all the difference. You know, they went from having nothing all night, so they put it to the other side of the boat, and they couldn't even haul it in because there was, there was so much, and there was such a quantity of that. And choosing to do life with Jesus, um, it's, it's a commitment. You know, it's not just a one-time prayer or a one-time decision. Hey, Jesus, I want to do life with you. It's, it's, you saw with the disciples, you know, they were there one-on-one with him, and they, they, you know, they were human. I think a lot of times we tend to think that they were like, oh, the disciples, you know, they could do nothing wrong. No, they were human. You know, we are, we're all called to be disciples. We're all kind of in the same boat as them, and we all have the same struggles, but the thing is we have to be intentional about our commitment and what we decide to do. So if we say, hey, you know, I'm deciding that I'm going to do my life with Jesus and I'm going to give him a voice in whatever I do. We have to make sure that we, we do give him a voice. We have to wake up every day and say, okay, Jesus, what am I going to do today? What do you want to do today? We have to be intentional and we have to be consistent with him. And this isn't the first time that Jesus talks about us following his voice. It's not the first time where, um, where they go out to do something and it doesn't work. And then he comes in, and then he changes things. Um, I want to ask you guys to go to John 15, so go a couple chapters back. We're going to talk about fruit. Lots of food references today. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Say amen when you got it. Amen. Cool. Okay, we're going to do John 15, start off in verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in in the vine, and neither can you unless you abide in me. And I think um, when, we hear the word, when we hear the phrase, like, abide in me and I in you, like, it's such like a Christian phrase, you know? It's like, how are you doing? I'm blessed. Like, it just kind of comes out and we don't actually know the meaning of it. But to abide is to, act, is to accept and to act in accordance with. So when he says, abide in me, act in accordance of me. And he says, and I will abide in you, and I will act in accordance with you. And I think... 
a lot of people have this, this mentality where God is controlling and he wants to tell us to do things and we have to follow him and that's it. And the truth is God's not a controlling God. You know, whatever decision that we make, he goes along with it because he's given us free will. And this free will, it's, it's a gift of love. It's not because he's just like, oh, go off and do your own thing. No, it's because our choices are powerful. And when we make the choice to follow him, it means something. If you always say yes to something, then when you say no, it's going to be a big deal, right? So he says straight up, abide in me, and I will abide in you. And then you're going to see the fruit. So let's pick up on verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. From apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. This sounds a little intense, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break it down with a little juvenile example. Um, so obviously Jesus thinks it's important because he says, abide in me, abide in you. This is the thing that he says, I didn't count how many times, but a lot of times in this verse, we keep hearing this theme of abide in me, act in accordance with me. And again, it's not because he's like, do this or bad things will happen. You're going to get burned at the stake and whatever. No. Um, I'm going to use a little juvenile example. Um, I want you to think about a rubber band, right? Useful but painful, right? So if you think about a rubber band and if you're pulling it from both sides, what happens? nothing like right it doesn't go anywhere it just snaps back or it breaks or nothing nothing fruitful comes out of that nothing productive comes out from that but when you're pulling one side and one side yields to the other that's when it shoots off far right that's what I used to get in trouble with for you know in school when I would try to shoot people with the rubber band um, but when we say act in accordance with I want you to think of it as not just like bowing down and just saying yes do this it's more of yielding to his ways hey you're telling me to do this okay I'm gonna lean into what you're doing because I know that I can go further with you that I could ever go by myself make sense good okay pick up in verse 7 if you abide in me and my words abide in you ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciple. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy be made full. So when we bear fruit, it's not just for our benefit. It also glorifies God. And I don't know if that's important to you, but it's important to me. You know, like when I was, when I was in school and I think about how much I wanted to please my parents by getting good grades or, you know, being the good child, because I am. You know, like I wanted to do it because I wanted, them to, I wanted them to take delight in me, you know. So when we do things and, and we act in accordance with him, when we yield to his ways and we see something come out of that because we always will, that glorifies God. And as his children, we have the honor of representing him to the world. We have the honor of having his DNA, and we get to represent him to the people that don't know who he is. So many people have this misconception of who God is and what he does, and it's our job, it's our duty, it's our honor to show them, hey, this is who he really is. This is what he's done in my life. And we get to be that, that kind of catalyst to a chain reaction. And 
I want to tell you guys a story of, um, I went to Spain at the end of March into April, and I was teaching this class, um, I was teaching how to do evangelism through creative arts, so um, I do worship, so I was talking about how to like prophetically sing over people, and I was scanning the crowd, and I was like, okay, God, I have to make an example, so I'm not, I got to put my money where my mouth is, right? I have to show them that it's a thing. And I'm scanning the crowd, and I see this one girl, and she's highlighted to me, and she looks like this. Her arms are crossed. She's giving me the death stare. I'm like, what? God, like, pick again. You sure you don't want to pick this lady in the front? She told me she liked my shoes. She cried three times already. You know, like, <laughs> give me an easy one, gosh. So um, that didn't work. So I was like, okay. I called her up, and I was like, all right, Jesus, you know, you got to do this because, you know, She's not feeling me right now. <laughs> so I sing over her, and I play her a song. And I just ask God, okay, what do, you want me to, what do you want me to sing over her? And I don't get, you know, you know how, like, you know it's working. We look for cues. Like, is she crying? You know, is her, her eyes getting a little watery? Is she, she having trouble breathing because, like, the tears are coming up? None of that. She was just like. <laughs> so afterwards, um, this is all in Spanish, so I asked a friend to translate for me, and he said that, she said that everything you said was on point and that she's been contemplating suicide the past three months. And I went, whoa. So I got to talk to her a little bit afterwards. And um, the way it was is that we were teaching the class and then over the next couple days we were going to take them out and we were going to have them work out what we taught them. And I got to know her and her demeanor completely changed. You know, she went from being that person that like leans back, given the scowl, you know, no one can come close to me because... You know, like, that's not a thing. I'm not ready for that. And then she started laughing. She was joking around. She was giving me hugs to the point where I was like, who are you? You know, I just met her, but it was just, it was such a stark difference. And I was talking to her, and she said, you know, do you think God loves me that much that he would send you from America to come to my church and teach this class so that he can show me that he cares that I was, um, that I was contemplating suicide? Sorry. Um, <laughs> And I said, yeah, it's like, your father loves you so much. And that, among other things, um, just completely changed my life because I thought I had all these ideas of like, yeah, like, this will bring me joy. If you would have asked me what it would have fulfilled me and brought me joy 10 years ago, I would have said, first, my plan is I'm going to be a backup singer for the Jonas Brothers, and Nick Jonas is going to fall in love with me, and we will get married and have kids. That did not happen, praise God. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. But then I started seeing people transformed by God, and I started seeing them like, you know when you see something and it just clicks, and you just say, wow, God got that person. And I was just like, do it again, whatever you want to do. Like, I just, I never thought I would be like that. I was always like, yeah, you know, like, it's good for people to get saved. It's good for people to know the love of God. And then I got to be a part of it, and I was just like, what? What am I doing with my life? Like, I'm just going to stay here, and I'm just going to go in souls, and I'm just going to love them, and I'm going to teach them how to do things, and that's going to be my life. And I was just like, what? But I never thought that that would fulfill me. And I think about how I actually ended up at Spain. I actually wanted to go on a different trip, and then I ended up on this trip, and I just felt so called to go. And I was like, Jesus, I'm really trying to go to Costa Rica, but fine. And I ended up on this trip, and I, I, it was, again, a season of me saying, yes, I'm going to do what you say. I'm going to act and surrender. Even if it's not something that I want to do, I'm just going to say yes. And then this happens. And I just, I, what I thought I, I wanted in life, I was just like, 
nope, it's cool, I'm just going to do this. <laughs> and when we choose to partner with him in that way, it doesn't just benefit us. It wasn't just because, like, yeah, like, like my heart was full, it was cool. No, it's, it's beneficial for both sides. You know, it glorifies him. People get to know who he is, and it's just everything. It's just like a domino effect. You know, you, start, you say yes to one thing, and then you don't know how that's going to affect everything around you. And I think a lot of times we make decisions based off of what we think is going to fulfill us. Or, you know, we keep the phrase like the pursuit of happiness. You know, it's a movie. This guy is trying to, you know, do all of these things so that he can find what makes him happy and what fulfills him. And Jesus straight up addresses that. And he says, you know, if you act in accordance with me, I'm going to give you joy. And not only am I going to give you joy, but it's going to be made full. And I, I really... Again, I've known God my whole life, but I really saw it come to life when I went on missions. And for a long time, um, when I was growing up, I, I used to think that God was trying to derail me. Excuse me. I used to think that he was derailing me because, you know, I still didn't meet the Jonas Brothers, and I was like, Jesus, you know my plan. You know what's going to make me happy. I used, to, um, I used to have a list of celebrities that I used to pray for every night. <laughs> My parents would put me to bed, and I'd be like, Jesus, bless Britney Spears that I may meet her one day. I will show her how to love you, God. <laughs> and as I got older, you know, I stopped being obsessed with celebrities and boy bands, and I started to make, I started to have all these plans career-wise and family-wise, and okay, like, I'm getting older, I'm going to have to start thinking about my life. And I made this list, not physically, but in my head, um, of all these things that I thought were going to fulfill me. So, Jesus, I'm going to school. I did not take out all these loans for nothing. I better get a job. <laughs> or, you know, like, I want to stay on the East Coast because, and this, this was amplified in California, no one understands the way that I talk out here. You know, they don't get my jokes. They just, they don't get me out here. I can't be out here. I'm, I'm supposed to be on the East Coast. And I had this list of things that I were like, I was like, okay, God, you know, I'm going to serve you because I know you're good. I love you. But it was, it was like that tension that was there where I was like, yes, I want to yield to you. But, you know, here's my side of it. I'm letting you know this is what's going down if you want to use me um, in my life, if you want to use me to do whatever. And then I went to missions and it just messed up my life forever in the best way possible. I remember I would talk to my dad, I would talk to my parents at night, and he, they'd be like, how's missions going? And I was like, I don't know what the heck is going on with me. Like, it was just, it was completely life-changing. And if you, maybe we'll talk about it at another time. But um, I got back, and Tori came to visit me. I got back from Spain, and then the next day, I got Tori from the airport. She was going to visit me at school. And Tori can attest to this, where I was, I mean, I was already, I feel like I was already different at that point, but she really got to see, like, firsthand the transformation that happened because I just got back. I was a wreck. I was crying every day. Every day, Jesus was messing me up in school, and I was so confused because I do not cry. My body cannot handle tears. Like, I literally get these headaches, and I have, like, I cry for two seconds, and then I have to go take a nap. Like, it just... It doesn't work out. And I'm like, God, what the heck is going on? You know, I went on missions, and it was awesome. And I have such a desire to go out and do more for you. I'm definitely going to go back to Spain. I'm going to go over here. I'm going to do whatever. Why am I crying so much? Like, I don't understand. And there was this one day of school. Um, this woman comes to speak. And she's talking about the Welsh revival. 
and she says, this is an encounter day. And we're all like, every day is an encounter day at school. Hello, we're at Bethel. Um, and she opens up with saying, I love the Lord Jesus with all my heart. That's what I think it was a 10-year-old girl was saying and repeating, and that's all she could say. And how she was talking about how people would lay down their lives completely just to see the move of God. And she's saying this, and I wish I could tell you more of what she was saying, but I don't know, because I was on the floor. Tori was gone. We were all a mess that day. <laughs> and I'm sitting there, and I'm ugly crying. Thank God I had long hair back then, because it was messy. I'm on the floor, and I'm just having this really intimate moment with Jesus. And I'm like, God, what is going on? Why do I feel like, like, it was almost like I was conflicted. Like, I knew I wasn't sad. I knew that when I went to missions, it was amazing. I wasn't, I wasn't conflicted. I just, there was, I felt such a tension in my heart. And I get this vision of me sitting before Jesus, and I give him my heart. And my heart is a diamond, and you know me, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a very, like, cheesy person, so I'm like, oh, God, thanks. You think my heart is beautiful. Good job. You know, like, yeah, that's cool. So he takes it, and then he hands, he holds out his hand again, and in my vision, I'm, I'm like hiding in shame or I'm just like having something behind my back. And I pull it out and it's shards of diamonds of the pieces that I haven't given to him. And my hands are bleeding because I'm, I'm, I'm clutching them so tight. I'm like, no, this is mine. And my hands are bleeding. And he said, Sarah, you know, your list, your conditions, the things that you, fulfill, that you think are going to fulfill you, you know, it's okay to have desires, but you can't let them rule your life. And you're holding on to these things so tight that it's actually hurting you. You know, I was, making, I was making the decisions off my life because I said, well, I have to go, I have to live in New Jersey, so I can only do one year here, and then I have to go back. All of these things were, you know, I was trying to connect all these things in my brain, and they just were not making sense between what God was telling me to do and what I wanted because I had these desires. I'm like, Jesus, these are things that I want to do. And he said, do you trust me? to make something beautiful out of your life? Do you trust that I'm good and that I have good plans for you and that the plans that I have for you are going to be better than whatever plans you have for yourself? And that just, that, that just messed me up even more. I was already gone, and then I just, I don't know where I went after that. But I made the decision that day, and I, was just, I just repented, and I was like, God, I'm so sorry for thinking that I, could, I can control my life and I could do things by myself. And I just, I made the decision where I just wanted to live in a place of surrender, whatever that looked like, whether it looked like me going to wherever it was or me not living in New Jersey, you know, if it meant, if it meant giving up things that I really wanted in my heart, I knew it was going to be okay. And I knew that I saw the first sparks of that when I saw people get transformed when I was on missions and I saw them fall in love with Jesus. I said, okay, as long as I see that, as long as I see people transformed, as long as as long as I know that I'm, I'm partnering with you in my life, I'm going to be okay. And I feel like today there's just such an invitation for, for people just to walk in that same thing. Yeah. And I'm not saying that it's, a, it's an easy thing. I just said, yeah, like, I'm, I'm going to stop giving you my list. I'm going to stop telling you all of these things. It wasn't just a one-time thing. It was something that I had to keep saying in my mind. Okay, yes, I really want this, but I know what God has for me is greater than what I could have for myself. And it was really hard because I think for us, it's, it's so easy for us to give things up that are bothering us, 
right? God, I have this problem. Take it. Go ahead. Bye. You know, like, I don't want to deal with it. You deal with it. But it's another thing that when we have to give up something that we really want, it's another thing when we can't, like, I could have done all those things by myself. I could have found a job. I could have, I could have found a guy. I could have got married. I could have had kids. I could have done all these things by myself. And now you're asking me to let you handle it? I could do this by myself. It's all good, Jesus. You know, don't worry about it. You know, somebody else can give you that. So I feel like everybody has a list of things that we want. And I feel like specifically today, but just, and also in general, where we just have to be in a place where we don't use that against him. And we don't limit what we can do based off of what we think we can do. Um, Chrissy, can you get up on keys for me, please? Um, yeah, we're going to go into just a time of just, I'm going to ask Chrissy to do some worship. And um, when all of these things were being revealed to me when I was, when I was on the floor at school, um, it was just such a sweet and intimate moment with me and just my father and just, it, w- it wasn't like, here's, here's everything that you're doing wrong, blah, blah, blah. It wasn't like he was slapping me on the wrist. It wasn't like I was getting a spanking or anything. It was more of like it, was like, it was such a sweet moment of him just revealing to me things that I was holding against him, things that I thought that I knew. And it was just that loving correction, if that's the right word. And I feel like there's an invitation to do that today. Yeah. So if you all would just close your eyes and hold out your hands, get in receive mode, get in a comfy position. Yeah. I don't want people to leave here today just thinking, yeah, I heard a little bit of what Sarah Sarah said, and it doesn't. It resonated with me, but not really. I just feel like there's an invitation for us to go deeper and just be intentional about asking God, hey, what's on my list of things that I think that I need? What are my conditions for, for my life that I, that I won't let you go past that barrier? Are there pieces of my heart that I haven't given to you because... I feel like I have better control over them than you do. I just hear the Father saying, you know, I'm not here to condemn anybody. I'm not here for you to feel shame. I'm not here so that you can leave here feeling beat up or that that you got messed up and now you don't know what to do. He's really just inviting you to a place of trust and to a place of surrender, of just saying yes and of just seeing the beauty in that. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Yeah, Holy Spirit, we just invite you just to to touch our hearts today.
we just invite you to, to just transform the way that we think. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. God, I just thank you for instilling the truth that you are good on every person's heart today. God, we know that we know that we know that we know that you're good. Yeah, God, I thank you for just affirming the fact that you have good plans for us, that you think good thoughts of us, that there's nothing that we could do for you to love us any more or any less. We thank you that you are so constant. God, that you are so consistent, even when, we're, when we waver or we try to think about what we're going to do. God, that you are so constant in our lives. You're there. You're our rock. You're so faithful to us. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. that when we don't know where to go, we know that we could always go to you. We just think 